This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Welcome to the EdTech Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And on this podcast, we've explored the persisting issues of balancing school budgets. It's something that we've brought on the EdTech Podcast several times before, mostly because really it's an endless challenge, right? And the solutions aren't always easy to find. And today we're continuing this conversation with someone who's dedicated their career to directing crucial financial moves for the education system. We're joined by Katie Bowman, Associate Superintendent of Finance and Auxiliary Operations for Birdville ISD in Texas. There she oversees the finance, purchasing, facilities, construction, child nutrition, and transportation departments of the district. Katie, great to have you on the podcast. How are you today? Very good. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, your position is very all-encompassing. You've got a lot of different departments to manage. Yes, I do. Yeah, which I think really speaks to why it's so difficult to correctly balance a budget for a school and then a school district because there are so many different moving parts. It's not just... It's not clear cut, and no matter how you present it, there's always something unexpected that comes in or something that that really changes uh, the entire landscape for you. So I'd like to ask you, I know that you started your career um, doing public accounting and tax and audit engagement. You did that for 15 years, and then you transitioned over to the education industry. So why did you feel like your skills were better put to use there? What drew you to want to service the public education industry? Well, I think it was more opportunity. Uh, We were living down in the Houston area in uh, Goose Creek, CISD. My children were both in school. Um, A lady who was actually head of the finance department um, was a member of our church, and um, a position opened up. I'd been auditing school districts for a number of years, and it looked like an opportunity to kind of branch out into a different area. Yeah. Honestly, one of my, my most favorite things when I first started was not having to fill out timesheets anymore. <laughs> in public accounting, you account yeah. for every 15 minutes. So uh, got in and uh, was able to uh, oversee about 75 special revenue funds, do oh. all the tax uh, collection reconciliations, and Within a year and a half, the individuals above me had left and uh, became the finance director in just a couple of years after going into the school district. Great. Did that opportunity evolve into a passion once you were a part of the industry? It actually did. Uh, Balancing budgets and uh, taking care of the financial side of school districts is very challenging. Uh, School finance itself is very complicated. Um, We've spent a lot of time in the last year uh, and a half as we've been looking at this current bond issuance that we, um, a bond election actually, that we just completed, educating our public as to the challenges of school finance. Most people think that as their taxes go up, schools are getting more money, and that's not the way that the finance system works. Right. Well, let's break that down a little bit and get the current state of financial stability and education, to to put it simply, I guess. Um, How would you say the industry is faring right now? What are some current issues that are affecting schools being able to budget themselves well or correctly? And how is this being reflected in your district specifically? What 
What good things, but then also pain points are you feeling? Well, the Texas legislature is in session currently. Uh, there are uh, several bills out uh, to increase funding for school districts, but over the last two bienniums, the state has not increased the basic allotment, which is the foundation of our funding. Um, as our student needs have grown, our district is, is not a growing district. We're fairly built out from mm-hmm. a residential perspective. Um, we have seen values increase over the last couple of years just due to the uh, lack of housing availability in the Mid-Cities area uh, near Fort Worth, but there's been a real challenge in meeting the needs of our students. We're seeing our special ed populations grow, uh, dyslexia, um, uh, we have a lot of students that are wanting to do more dual credit programs. We actually have some great programs that we're starting uh, with an early college high school with Tarrant County College. Mm. Um, we've done an, an enormous job the last few years, our curriculum department, getting our students uh, up to higher levels of learning uh, and meeting the needs of our huge ELL population. Uh, one in five students does not speak English as their main language. Wow. So as these challenges have increased uh, and the students have had more challenges and the standards standards have increased, it's been very difficult uh, to provide the resources that our students have needed um, to really get them up to the level of of learning uh, that they need. However, our curriculum department has done a great job in the last accountability system in this past year. uh, We scored an 88. Um, Some of our campuses with the highest poverty uh, um, students and the highest ELL learning students um, scored very well. Uh, so we're very proud of the work we've done, but there's a lot more to do, and it takes dollars to do that. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, very simply, you're right. It takes dollars. Um, explain to me what providing these services would look like on a you know, in a budget perspective, right? How much money would actually need to be funded into the school district to properly fund all these new programs and changing standards and it doesn't just have to be in your school district but just in general and why are schools struggling to find those funds well the school fund funding formulas currently in texas are geared so that as uh, property values increase um, more dollars are coming in from taxpayers, but the state reduces their contribution towards school districts. And that's been one of our biggest challenges. Um, the state actually budgets for school property increases and uh, reductions in school finance as they look at each biennium. Hmm. Uh, the last session uh, that we were just finishing up this part of the biennium, the state budgeted 7% increases in property values for each year in order to balance their budget. And so as districts uh, are challenged with reduced state money. We find a lot of challenges in just providing those additional services. Dollar amount wise, I think every uh, district in the state um, is challenged these days. Um, Back in 2005, 2006, the state changed its major changes in their funding formulas and districts were kind of frozen in one spot in a hold harmless piece. And so some districts were frozen at a very high level, some very low. Birdville was one of the lowest levels. Mm-hmm. But as the, the last 10 years, as the basic allotment has increased um, in some of the years, not the last four, um, a lot of the districts are now finding themselves in the same uh, level area of funding. Uh, Chapter 41, um, which are the districts that have a higher property value uh, per student, um, they're even struggling because a lot of the money they collect goes back to the state and is distributed out as part of state funding from the state level. So um, we're asking for the state to um, basically get the, the dollars up to where they need to be. We're fairly low when you look at dollars per student 
from a nationwide perspective. Uh, and we're asking for help with some of these special needs students as well. Yeah. Well, I think we're also at a really critical moment in our education's history. Because um, when you really look at it, schools are having to adjust a lot to the realities of the changing workforce and what that means. Um, for students to succeed, I think, in today's workforce, they need to be exposed to a lot of different kinds of technology very early on, and not just in tech-focused classrooms, technology in your English classroom, in your history classroom. Um, and obviously, all that equipment costs money. And it's this sort of sad cycle that schools that are underfunded don't get that kind of technology, and then those students aren't able to succeed as much as the other school districts that might have that funding. Um, and then, you know, that school district underperforms and then they aren't given more funding. You know what I mean? It's like this really sad, insidious kind of cycle. And you want to see people break out of it. But obviously, like you said, it takes dollars. So I wanted to basically ask you in in today's day and age where we need a lot of really specific technology and we need focused, standardized um, lesson plans, but also lesson plans that are are flexible and able to adapt to changing uh, curriculum and changing workforces. That all takes training and education for teachers to be able to provide flexible curriculums, right? It's not just technology, it's manpower. What makes funding in today's day and age so crucial? Well, I think for today, um, I'll just give our district as an example. We just passed a $252 million bond package back in November, and um, probably around 30, 32 million of that is just for technology. Um, We're going to be getting our students to a two-to-one two computers for every one student. Great. Um, We have quite a few... um, technology programs. We have a career and technology center that teaches students the up-to-date auto mechanics. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have cosmetology. We have forensic science. We have floral design. Uh, We have medical and nursing programs. Uh, We also have a lot of those programs on our high school campuses. I think the, the thing that's sad, though, is that we have to go to bond dollars Um, rather than being able to use our local dollars that we get from the state to pay for the technology Mm -hmm. because you have to refresh it, you know, every three to five years. Right. So um, our thankfully our voters have been very supportive in wanting our students to have that kind of technology and have access to it Um, within our general fund dollars. Um, there's typically not enough money to provide that. So that's why any cost savings we can get through those general funds is very critical. Yeah. What are the services or programs or, I guess, changes to the current system that you think are most deserving of those dollars right now? Like if, if you suddenly got the funds, what would be the first thing to get everyone on the same playing field? Well, I think in our district, um, we are an older district. We were started in 1850. Um, right now, we have nine of our facilities, our campuses that were built in the 1950s, a number in the 60s and a number in the 70s. Uh, our bond program has been so critical because we have a lot of older schools. We've had to do a lot of retrofitting in those campuses. And mm-hmm. so those students uh, in the older campuses don't always have access to um, the things that they need, uh, more modern um furniture, equipment, things like that. We've done a lot. We've done a lot with security as well. Um, We've put in um, 
uh, entry access points, cameras, a lot of things that some of the more uh, newer districts that have newer campuses are just now starting to do, but school safety's been a huge thing that we focused on. Um, but we wanna get our campuses up to date and we wanna make sure our students have the most up-to-date equipment, furniture, right. all the things that they need um, to be able to um, you know, function in today's society. Yeah, well, it's pretty clear that you kind of get hit from all angles right. <laughs> when you're looking to fund right. um, fund a school properly. You've got aging infrastructure. You're updating the education of the students, but also the teachers and right. getting them certified where they need to be certified and retaining those teachers too, right? The security, the tech access, it's, it's a lot. So where do school districts start when solving these budgetary issues? Uh, who You know, they're already on tight budgets, so it's not like they just have extra money to help solve these issues. They need to get the money from somewhere. And what's typically the best place to cut costs? And how did you specifically approach this kind of issue in your school district? Well, the areas that typically get cut are gonna be your facility areas. Um, I am over uh, all of the auxiliary areas in the district, uh, whether it's transportation, um, child nutrition, facilities, construction, all of those departments. And so when we look to cut, um, those are the areas that we typically try to keep as tight as possible. Efficiencies um, in those areas are critical. Uh, but at the same time, it's very important that we have adequate uh, custodial services. Yeah. Um, we, we've been challenged um, with some of the, with the um, uh, job market being almost 100% at times, mm -hmm. we've had difficulty filling positions with lower paid salaries. And so we've had to bump those salaries up. We've had a lot of competition with bus drivers. We've had to get those salaries up. So we've had to put money back into facility areas that we typically don't do just to maintain staff. Right. We have to have people that can clean the buildings and all of that. So while we continue to, to try to be as efficient as we can, there are times when um, we have to get those salaries up or we have to uh, take care of emergency. Right. We've had a couple of sewer breakages at some of our old campuses, and right. guess what? They have to be repaired. Uh, we had one facility last week that uh, had some rusted out um, things, brick areas in the front of the building. We had to get that knocked down. So unfortunately, when you have older buildings, you have to take care of those emergencies as right. they come. Right. So where do you see most school districts spending money poorly? Places where they can make changes to then put money back to salaries or back to um, you know, updating tech access for their students. What I love about Synergistic, it's not about coming in and really making people uncomfortable and <laughs> reducing all of your day-to-day -day cost. It's trying to not waste resources. So uh, one of the big tenets of the program is having the specialists, and we have two in our district that work for Synergistic, but basically are part of our team. They go out at night. Uh, they do a lot of review and walkthroughs of campuses, making sure that we don't have utilities, lights, computers, uh, HVAC systems running when no one's in the building. Now, uh, we did make some adjustments to our set points. Uh, we went up one degree, and it's amazing how people, when they know something's going up one degree, yeah. they feel it. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've been able to cut back on a lot of wasted energy, and I think that's a good spot for people to start. Synergistic uh, gives you some additional uh, in-person resources with, with the human capital by uh, adding the specialist to your um, 
uh, team. They've taken over all of our energy management systems. They do all the scheduling for activities. They do um, all the scheduling for rentals and different things. And they also provide a lot of resources, such as their engineers and uh, different specialists, to come in when we're having difficulty in some areas, trying to get things, you know, situated just right or uh, the mechanical end of things working just right. They come out and support us in that and provide those resources as part of the services that they have for a school district. Right. So really where you're seeing a lot of those saved dollars is in the facility management of of the schools? That's correct. That's correct. And tell me a little bit about how you found Synergistic and partnered with them um, and what the process was like for implementing their services in your school district. Well, um, I've used Synergistic and been exposed to them in two other school districts in Texas, so I knew about them when I got to Birdville. Birdville's one of those rare schools that was already doing a really good job with energy efficiency, and uh, I will tell you that our facility guys were not in favor initially of going with Synergistic. They felt like they were doing the job well, Mm -hmm. but after we got the specialists in and really started working through the programs, I think all of my staff have seen now that they're a really good uh, part of the team. In fact, I had one of my guys the other day say we're at a really good place right now with the specialist and the work that they're doing so it's freed up our guys to do other things that uh, they need to be out doing with preventative maintenance right. and things like that that also are dollar savers in our uh, district right yeah it's pretty incredible how everything has that domino effect right because as soon as you get a company in to find the smallest pain point Sometimes it's those smallest ones that have the biggest effect, right? So like you said, raising temperatures by one degree. Now that is preventative instead of reactive. And then you can put more manpower um, instead of having your custodial staff have to turn off every single light in every classroom and make sure that lights come on at a certain time and off at a certain time. It's all automatic. Now they can spend their time making sure that you don't have any more sewer breaks, right? And like little things like that. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible, and it, I think it's reflective of how technology, in a lot of ways, people worry technology is going to replace us, right? No, it's actually really going to empower us to um, put our time and our energy where it needs to be. And when you're in an industry like education, where your budgets are so tight all the time, and you know you can hope and pray that you get the money and work with the legislature to make it happen, but it's not always set in stone, right? So where do you make those cuts? you got to find that power in technology, um, and it's it's pretty incredible. So I think it's important to get some tangible examples of how a company like Synergistic has helped your school district. So tell me about a really specific way that cutting back on energy costs has brought money to an underfunded service, um, whether that's education, technology, transportation, that has really helped transform your school district. Well, I think there's been a number of things we've been able to do with Synergistic. So um, the system does a lot of evaluation, like, for instance, our guys, the uh, Synergistic specialists, enter all of our utility information. And so through that, we can do analysis of, you know, each campus and what's what's a norm. Right. So we've been able to find water leaks. They walk the campuses. Of course, we always seem to have problems with our irrigation. Mm-hmm. We always have some type of a broken pipe out in a in a uh, area, but they're looking for the wet spots. Um, they're there at night um, mm-hmm. helping us. For instance, if we have a maybe a custodian that's turning on lights all in the building, uh, or maybe there's too many lights on outside at night. Um, They've been able to help with those things that we've seen significant reductions uh, in our utility Mm costs as a result. 
Um, those cost reductions, for instance, um, what we're doing right now is we're kind of taking those utility savings and putting them into some of these sewer bursts and, you know, things like that that okay. are happening. And we're taking those and, and providing kind of a contingency for our facilities department so that we don't have to add money to the budget and we don't have to take away from the instructional side. Great. Uh, one thing you may not be aware of is school districts, uh, their general funds are between 80 and 85 percent personnel. Hmm. So the cost, trying to save cost in uh, that, you know, 15 percent uh, is very challenging. So right. every little bit that you can do, especially like with what Synergistics does for us, uh, is money that can be um, not taken away from the instructional side since most of the money is in that personnel area. Right, exactly. And you tack on top of that, you don't want to pull money away from the personnel area when you you add the issue of teacher retention, which is a whole separate issue, right? So you want to find ways to keep your employees happy, uh, passionate about what they're doing, not distracted by those pain points, but allowed to focus on what really matters. That's the education. So you're right. I mean, finding ways to cut costs in the 15% must be pretty stressful. How do you manage it? You know, how do you approach your day-to-day to find those little pain points and address them in those thin margins? Well, I'd like to, you talk about pain points, I'd like to make another point, kind of another direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, The pain points of what our teachers think when in their mind the temperature has gone up a degree. Right. Um, One of the great benefits we've had from the two specialists on campus is the hands-on time that they spend with the teachers. When a teacher puts in a comfort complaint, they actually make personal visits to those teachers. There are times we find that the temperature in the room may be perfectly fine, but maybe the humidity levels are high. Um, We had an addition at our Birdville High School that was completed about a year ago, and in the fine arts area, they never could get the teacher comfortable. And what we found out is in the installation of the HVAC system, synergistic engineers came out and helped with it, that there was something with the way the the air was being pulled in that Mm -hmm. was getting the humidity levels so high that it was impossible to cool down the air. Area. And so with Synergistics help, we were able to do that and keep our employees, talk about pain points, right. in their mind they may think they're having a, a different temperature, but getting out and really showing them evidence and being able to make adjustments in some of the other things that can keep them happy. Um, and then as we're saving dollars, um, you know, we, we review our budgets very carefully every year. We have a, a superintendent's cabinet and every cabinet member uh, sits with their groups and I'll tell you the instructional area always has needs and special ed always has needs and so in my department I try to make sure that we're only bringing forward things that we actually have to bring forward so that we can save money for them and so as those dollars are saved uh, in our utility budgets then I can fund things going on in the facilities department that I would not have to normally fund during the regular budget time. Right and now pulling away from everything and getting a bird's eye view, how do you measure financial success in your district? Looking at all of this, how many dollars saved is boom, ching, right? Uh, a check on the box, you win. Um, and what what is there still left to do? Uh, what kind of work do you still have cut out for you to keep your district and really to you know, look outward at other districts? How can they start to get ahead of the curve? Well, you know, as the CFO of the school district and also responsible for the auxiliary departments, 
one of my main goals is to, you know, keep our costs at a minimum, but look for every opportunity to generate revenue. So mm-hmm. we continually look for ways to generate revenue as interest rates have gone up a little bit. We've been able to do a little more investing. Um, on the expenditure side, we just have to constantly be looking for opportunities to cut back. Um, my guys know, um, you know, when they need vehicle replacements and all of that, you know, we've got to make sure that we have what we need in place. But nothing that um, – uh, really kind of goes over the top. It's those minimal things. We have replacement schedules, things like that. And I think for me, success would mean that, uh, you know, we do develop a budget each year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'd like to keep a healthy fund balance um, in our district as well so that when we have emergencies, we have something to fall back on. But I think being able to um, keep that budget uh, really fine tooth, you know, keeping it at a, at a, a good level where at the end of the year, um, we basically have spent what we expected to spend, yeah. and um, we, we don't end up in, in a lot of variance at the end of the year. And so um, it's important, though, that we do have those extra dollars um, laying around. The last couple of years, uh, because of school finance, uh, we've had a little bit of one-time cost, so we've been able to do a lot of things, even in the facility side, uh, to replace um a lot of energy things around the district, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that we have the right thermostats and the things that can really help us. And Synergistic has been available to help guide us through some of the decisions on on what will be just the best thing that we can have uh, for some of those things. You know, I feel like the Synergistic team, um, we have two great specialists that um, do a very super job and they've, they don't act like vendors. Um, they really act like part of the team. They attend my staff meetings um, every uh, couple of times a month as we have those. Um, they really are part of the team. And I think the, the meetings, even with their supervisors that we have, they're very informative. And Synergistic has seemed to constantly be on the lookout for better software. I know they have a new program coming up where we're going to be able to project things. So, for instance, as we do rentals and things like that, we can actually do projections on what is it really costing us mm-hmm. uh, to add some of those pieces. Uh, there's going to be opportunities to do a lot more projections out on what our utility bills are going to look like. Um, and then also there with the smart meters for uh, electricity, they're going to be able to um, have real-time alerts on where we may be having issues at a campus. So if there's, you know, maybe an HVAC system that's coming on at two in the morning, which we actually found that happening. (laughs) Um, But those are the kind of things, the uh, not using electricity, not using utilities when no one's there. I mean, that's really the goal. It's not to prohibit your people from being comfortable or having what they need, but it's not wasting resources um, on things that shouldn't be happening. Right. Well, Katie, I'd really like to thank you for joining us on the podcast and giving us your insight on, like we said at the beginning, this continuous challenge of balancing a school budget. Um, you know, you're working with a tight budget. You're working within thin percentages. You can't always be cutting away at that 85% where you are paying your staff, right? you got to work with that 15%, which funds everything from transportation to security to energy costs, et cetera, right? It's, it's tight, but... You find a way to do it every year, and with companies like Synergistic, uh, it sounds like they're making it easier for you as well. So, Katie, thank you so much for giving us your insight. It was a pleasure getting to chat with you today. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and would want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.